Most discussions of charter schools as a source of innovation within public education focus on what happens inside the classroom. Pedagogy, curriculum, new approaches to student discipline. In some states, though, charters also have the chance to be trailblazers when it comes to the design of teacher retirement benefits. Is innovation needed when it comes to teacher pensions? And what can we learn from charters with the freedom to chart their own course? I'm Marty West, editor of Education Next, and I'm joined today by Michael Podgurski, professor of economics at the University of Missouri and the author of the new article, Pensions Under Pressure, Charter Innovation and Teacher Retirement Benefits. His article will appear in the spring 2018 issue of the journal and is available now at educationnext.org. Mike, welcome to the EdNext podcast. Thanks for having me. So your article, I should say, is co-authored with Susan Odd Pendergrass and Kevin Hessler of the National Alliance for Public Charter Schools. Let me start out by asking what led you all to tackle this topic? Why is innovation in teacher retirement benefits needed? Well, uh, let me start with the second part first. Innovation in teacher retirement benefits is needed because uh, states are facing massive unfunded liabilities in their traditional pension plans. Um, and this is eating into uh, uh, the education dollar. We start the article out by showing that um, between 2004 and the present, uh, the, the, just the pension cost per student has gone from about $500 per student to uh, over $1,100 per student, which is about roughly gone from five to about 11% of the education dollar. So, so there, as the title of the article suggests, these pensions, traditional state pension plans are under a great deal of pressure, and they're going to have to come up with something new. Going forward, they're going to have to come up with some kind of plan that uh, is less expensive and hopefully could be better for teachers and, uh, and can help uh, recruit and retain uh, the kind of teachers you want. Now, the charter school angle is very interesting because uh, I've been studying uh, this pension issue uh, for a while now, and in the course of that, I came to realize that charters in a number of states could opt out of the traditional plans, uh, but there was just no data about the number of charters that had done so, um, why they did it, uh, and what they put in place. So this truly was an area where charters could do something that traditional public schools could not. So a traditional public school has no choice. They have to participate in the state plan, uh, whereas, again, if, if the charters opt out, they're free to put in place and, uh, whatever policy uh, um, they want. So your study focuses on charters in five states in particular, Arizona, California, Florida, Louisiana, and Michigan. All of them have substantial charter sectors and do, as you just suggested, give charters the flexibility to opt out of the traditional pension plan if they so choose. How many of them are opting out, and how has this changed over time? Um, well, uh, the answer is quite a few, but there's actually a very a striking variation across the states that we try to explain. For example, only 11% um, of the charters participate in Michigan, whereas 87% uh, in California and 
Uh, there's a range in between, 13% in Florida, 28% Arizona, 36% Louisiana. So California is a major outlier. Uh, in order to explain um, the patterns, there, there's uh, one important factor that has to be kept in mind is this is a uh, – the decision to participate or not is basically one that a charter has to make. I, I jokingly say it's not even at birth; it's it's at conception. <laughs> when they're when they're planning the charter school, in in most of these states, you have to uh, in your initial applications uh, uh, make choices that can keep you out of the state plan. Once the charter school opens, and once members have participated in the state plan, it's hard to opt out kind of like Hotel California. It's hard to check out on one of these plans once you're in. So really the decision to, to participate is, is uh, made at the time of creation of the charter schools. And um, what, we're, what we found now in terms of a trend is that in all of the states uh, there's been a downward trend in participation for new charter schools particularly striking for California, where over 90% of charter schools, say, uh, over the last uh, 10 years ago, say, were participating. It's now dropped to about 63% in the most recent uh, uh, data we have, which is a couple years old, and I, I strongly suspect it's well below uh, 60% uh, for, for charters opening now. Why was California such an outlier in the first place, and what's changed to uh, push it more in the direction of the other states for which you have data? Uh, that's a great question, and it's a um, and it, it's one that intrigued us. My hypothesis, which I think is pretty solid, solid is that um, in California, the pension plan say, 20 years ago, was seen as a very good deal for charter schools. And uh, the reason is twofold. First of all, the teachers in California are not in Social Security. So if the charter school doesn't participate, the teachers have to participate in Social Security, which means the district will pay 6.2% and the teacher will pay 6.2%, and in return the teacher will get traditional Social Security benefits, which are, um, you know, meager but mobile, okay? On the other hand, 15 years ago, you see, if you were in uh, the California uh, teacher plan, it's called CalSTRS, you would pay a little more than what you would pay in Social Security, but you get a whole lot more in terms of benefits. So the teachers would have paid about 7.5%, the employers would have paid about but over eight, eight and a half percent, I think. And the legislature was picking up part of the tab as well. So the legislature, legislature was picking up, uh, was paying a little over eight percent. So from the teacher's point of view, and even the charter's point of view, it looked like a really good deal. You could, you could be in CalSTRS and get benefits that were far in excess of Social Security, or you could drop out and have, a, you know, a much a smaller pension and be in Social so, so the bottom line is CalSTRS looked like a really good deal, you know, 20 years ago. Unfortunately, it was, it was too good to be true. <laughs> and it, it, the, the CalSTRS at, 
uh, has a uh, very uh, is in, in difficult uh, financial straits, and the result is the contribution rates for teachers for and for districts are are, are increasing uh, very rapidly. The employer contribution rate is more than doubled. The teacher rate is going up to ten and a half percent. So suddenly, it doesn't look like such a great deal anymore. And uh, and again, most of that increase is to pay down unfunded liabilities. So if you're a new charter school coming in, opening, you're paying for the sins of the past in Calsters. Uh, most of that employer contribution is going to pay down the unfunded liabilities. That is to pay for the benefits of you know, um, current retirees or other senior teachers, not your new employees. And this is what's going on in a number of states nationwide, right? States are responding to these large unfunded liabilities, both by making benefits less generous going forward for new teachers in particular, but also by increasing the contribution rates required of districts. And that's what's driving that rising cost per student of employer contributions to to pension benefits that you mentioned at the outset. That's exactly right. And so what it means is from if you're opening a new charter school and you're looking at, um, you know, employer contributions of 15 or even 20 percent, most of that is not going for current benefits for your employees. It's simply paying down the uh, unfunded liabilities of the plan. So if you opt out, you could you could take that money you would have spent and, you know, pay higher salaries for teachers, uh, you know, um, buy more computers, do field trips, whatever. There's, um, there's lots of ways you could spend that money other than paying down the liabilities of the pension plan. And clearly a lot of charter schools are, are going that route. And presumably one of the ways you would spend some of those resources is to offer an alternative retirement benefit of some kind to your teachers. So these charters that are opting out, uh, are they in fact doing that or are they just sort of leaving teachers on their own when it comes to retirement planning? Well, the, the vast majority of charter schools are offering an alternative um, benefit in the form of a what's typically called an individual retirement account. It'll be either a 401k or a 403b type plan where the, the, um, the teacher makes a contribution and the employer makes a contribution, and then the teacher has their own retirement account, um, and that's mobile. So, so there's uh, two important things here. First of all, uh, the, the teacher will have their own mobile benefit. Now, this is very this is important because it, well, it comes to the second point is then it's not just that they have this individual retirement account and it's mobile, but most of these charter schools have either immediate vesting or vesting within one year. Now, what that means is that the teacher will get the benefits, the employer contribution, very quickly compared to state plans. In most of these state plans, the, the teachers are not vested. That is, they don't, they don't have a, a, a right to a pension until five and even ten years in some states. Well, for charter schools, uh, 
high share of your teachers therefore will never qualify for a pension in the traditional plan if you have five year vesting so these charter schools are doing what you would expect and what you see private firms doing are for profit and not for profit who are trying to hire young mobile people they provide a retirement benefit in the form of some mobile type individual retirement account and they have very quick vesting of the benefits and you all in addition to just tracking the decisions that charter schools are making also surveyed them to try and find out what considerations were informing those decisions was there anything that surprised you when you got to speak with charter school leaders about the decisions they were making yes I went in it thinking that that sort of with my economist blinders on or at least just looking at the financial side thinking that because of these large unfunded liabilities it would be a wise financial decision to opt out but in talking to the charter schools many of them we surveyed we designed a survey so that half of the surveys went to charter schools that stayed in and half went to those who opted out and for those who stayed in we said ask them you know why did you choose to stay in and there was a series of questions and then for those who opted out we asked why did you opt out for those who decided to stay in there were labor market considerations those were the primary factors they were trying to recruit teachers many from traditional public schools are teachers who had experience in traditional public schools and may have already been in the plan and maybe you know dropped out and were coming back into the workforce so being part of the state plan was important to them for recruiting and in their mind offset the cost of staying in at least at present so that was an important factor that was attracting teachers with some experience now for those who dropped out they said they were that was less of a consideration and they were more interested in attracting say non-traditional teachers alternate route teachers career changers teach for America people who didn't have experience with the traditional plan but were attracted by mobile benefits and they also were cited lower costs so they used the money to provide higher salaries or other or spent the money in other ways for their school yeah I want to zero in on that response it was the case that the most popular reason offered by charter schools to opt out of the state retirement plan was simply to lower costs and I assume that some listeners will sort of find that suspicious especially since you found that that for-profit charter management organizations were more likely than others to opt out I mean is this just about saving money at the expense of teachers long-term financial security well you're just to elaborate on the point we did find that charter management organizations both for-profit and not-for-profit were much less likely to participate in state plans which we one interpretation is they have the expertise to set up their own plans 
again, they're going to spend the money somewhere. So, for example, even if you put aside the for-profit firms who will pay profits back to their owners, the not-for-profit firms also were less likely to participate, which means they're putting the money back into somewhere, right? Either higher teacher salaries or, you know, smaller class sizes or other resources. So we can't, you know, we weren't in a position to provide a breakdown of where the savings went, but they were clearly, you know, they weren't spending as much money, so far as we could see, on retirement benefits and were spending some of that money on other things, including, according to what they said, higher salaries for teachers. Now, as the number of charter schools continues to expand in these states and nationally, and if the trend that you document of growing numbers of those charter schools opting out of the state pension plan continues, what implications does that have for the state pension plans themselves? Does it make it harder for those plans to um, solve their financial problems or uh, leave that unaffected? Well, um, it depends on the size of the charter sector, but there's no question that charters, the typical charter school is, is sort of a profit center for the pension plan. On average, charter school teachers have higher turnover, uh, and so their teachers are less likely to, you know, uh, reach vesting or to, uh, you know, reach the points, you know, work a full career in the sector. So, so basically, the, the charter sector is attractive because it adds a lot of young blood to the system that's, that that's provides a whole lot of revenues and almost no cost. So um, the, the pension plans like, like, the, like having the charters in the plan. They start exiting, it will put more stress on the plans, and of course it depends on how, you know, the extent of charter participation. And just to be clear about the point that you were just making, uh, the reason why charter participation might be attractive from the perspective of, of a state plan is that you have a lot of teachers making contributions that will never show up in terms of benefits that they receive. They're simply subsidizing uh, benefits that are going to others. That's correct. In the, in the jargon of the pension plan, the normal cost, well, actually there's two reasons they're profitable. First of all, just the cost of their benefits is lower. That's, they call that normal cost. And the second is you've got more people contributing to pay down the debt of these plans. And so, yeah, the, when, you, when you've got to pay down a debt, it's, it's good to have to spread that, that over more uh, contributors. So we're almost out of time here, but I want to close by asking you about the future here. Uh, you've made a good case that innovation in state pension plans is needed, that charter schools are modeling out an alternative organized around the concept of individual retirement accounts. Uh, is that the way of the future for state pension plans in public education writ large? Well, I think that this is um, an interesting phenomenon to study because, as, as you've noted, the charters can innovate. And what we want to do in, in, in future research here is now do 
have more case studies to talk about particular plans and the details of those plans that have that these charters have implemented we'd also like to survey the charter school teachers to get more of more information about weight what they thought our our analysis is entirely based on responses from administrators so so I think it will be interesting in in the larger public debate if we can show that there is successful charter school chains if you will groups of charter schools that are successful as education organizations which which we're seeing in the research that is they're producing high levels of student achievement growth successfully getting kids and you know to graduate and getting them into college and they're innovating in the way they compensate their teachers so if we can write up you know get more information about these innovations potentially that could provide useful proof of concept if you know for when when the larger public plans serving traditional public schools are forced to implement reform their plan well it sounds like we may have to have you back on in the future then well I look forward to the net writing the next article where we have even more information about what these innovators are doing in this area I think it's a very exciting project and I really look forward to learning more about what they're doing in this area my guest today has been Michael Podgorski professor of economics at the University of Missouri and the author of pensions under pressure available now at educationnext.org Mike thanks for being part of the podcast thank you you've been listening to the Ednext podcast if you like what you've heard be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts Stitcher Google Play or another platform so that you don't miss an episode and while you're at it be sure to check out our archives where you can find each of the more than 100 episodes we've recorded since 2015 talk to you next week